Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello, my friends. I'd love to wish you a good morning on this Thursday. It is uh, the downhill slide into the weekend, the long Labor Day weekend, which is coming up. Um, on Saturday. And uh, yes, I will be here tomorrow. Oh, I thought about it. I thought about it. I thought about taking tomorrow off, but um, I've just got way too much stuff to do. I can't, can't do it. Can't take the day off. So I'm stuck just like the rest of you poor working Joes with a three-day weekend. For those of you who have the three, if you don't, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm just saying, just saying. Um, anyway, good morning and welcome to Thursday. Today is a, uh, today is uh, going to be a, well, I was going to say a beautiful day, but the truth is it may not be a beautiful day. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I woke up this morning and this is the first morning that I really, really noticed it, that it was dark, really dark. I mean, it was dark this morning. I got up and I'm looking out the window and I'm like, huh, hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's, uh, I actually looked at the ground to make sure it hadn't snowed. I mean, that's exactly how I felt this morning. <laughs> this final day of August, oh, it's official, my friends. It's all coming to a close for this, for this year, this summer coming to a close. It's just oh, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Today on the program, we have got, uh, some good stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to be joined uh, in hour one, it's just you and me, and I got some headlines and some other things that I want to talk about and just kind of, you know, things like that. Um, but in hour two, we're going to be joined by David Boyle, who is an education advocate, uh, and he writes occasionally for Must Read Alaska. He's a senior contributor over there, and uh, he has written a great article that kind of outlines some of the challenges that we've been having well, over the last year, year and a half, in our K through 12 school system, and he talks a lot about uh, the local control, who actually controls the schools, and um, it's a great article, and you should go out and read it if you haven't yet. I'll post it up in the chat room for those of you who haven't read it and want to take a sec to read during the uh, take a sec to read during the show today or during the commercial break or whatever. But we're going to be talking with David Boyle uh, back uh, in hour two. So he's going to join us. Uh, I've already sent him the link this morning in his email, so we can uh, we can be ready to talk and chat, and that's uh, all coming up in hour two. So we got a full full hour probably of education discussion and uh, commentary on the state of education here in the state of Alaska. <clears throat> here in hour one, I've got a bunch of different stories, 
and interesting things to talk about. And I guess I what you know I want to I also want to ask a question, and this may be one of those uh, I don't know loaded questions uh, for people out there, but you know I want to know what what's your outlook for the state of Alaska? Are you are you posi- Are you optimistic about where the state is going? Or are you, I mean, guardedly optimistic? Are you guardedly pessimistic? Or are you just outright worried to death about where the state's going? And uh, I kind of want to get your take on that. Where where are you at uh, on this kind of spectrum of where we're going? And I think it's important to know that because, and I'll talk about that here a little bit later in the in the hour, but, you know, I, I kind of want to know where you're at. So I've opened up the phone lines <clears throat> and uh, you can uh, you could sound off if you'd like at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Feel free to come on board and uh, and we'll chit-chat about that and see what you guys have to say um, and, you know, wh- where you want to go with that. Uh, so we're going to – the phone lines are open for the full hour uh, uh, and see where it's at. Sorry, I'm just chuckling. Jerrica in the chat room just said, shakes the eight ball. Ooh, outlook not so good. Okay. I mean, you know, I just kind of want to feel for that. Anyway, let me get through some of these headlines here um, and see what uh, what else is on the rise and what's coming up. Well, today, I will tell you that if you're on the peninsula and South Central today, um, it's it's going to be wet. It's probably no surprise to you, but it may be wetter than you were expected. The large storm uh, was whipping up winds and surf all over the Aleutian chain yesterday. Folks who are listening right now down in Unalaska can probably... Uh, could probably attest to that. The storm that's uh, running across the Aleutians and up into South Central contains the remnants of former Typhoon Demre. And uh, it will also bring rain, very heavy at times. Winds will be high, uh, 40 to 65 miles per hour along the central tra- uh, chain all the way to the peninsula. Wave heights could reach a range of 20 to 35 feet. Uh, Anchorage and here in South Central along the Knick Arm, we'll see the uh, front arrive this morning with heavy, heavy rain. And the rain will last through afternoon and then taper down to showers in the late afternoon this afternoon. Winds are also going to pick up with higher elevations, turning an arm up to 30 to 45 miles per hour. Even in, down in Anchorage, they're going to see 25 up to 25 mile per hour winds in the city. And of course, <clears throat> all this rain just keeps filling the ground making its way to the river systems. The rivers, streams, and creeks uh, are are all at flood watch levels. A flood advisory still holds for the Tanana River from Delta Junction to Fairbanks until they extended it, now noon on Friday. So winds all over are expected to hit advisory levels uh, all over the Alaska Range with the next big blow that arrives today and tomorrow, 30 to 45 miles an hour winds. With gusts up to 60 miles an hour. So put on your put on your wellies. Put on your wellies. Slap on that uh, Helly Hansen uh, raincoat and the old uh, fish and chips fisherman's hat and uh, just get ready to uh, just get ready to be wet. I mean, it's not like it's not like you already aren't growing fungus or anything. Just get ready to be even wetter. It's got to be how it's got to be this this weekend. Going, you know, keep, I keep I keeping my fingers crossed. I really, really would love to see 
A little bit of an Indian summer, just a little bit. Just give me a few more days of sunshine before you crush. I haven't been able to mow my lawn in two, almost three weeks. I mean, it's starting to get a, be a jungle out there, but it's so wet. I can't run the lawnmower on any of it. It's <clears throat> it's insane. It's just, just insane. Yeah, I know. I looked down the street and saw two of every animal walking down the street. I don't know what that means, but uh, I just don't know what that means. Um, all right. Uh, what else we got today? Well, I do have some good news. Um, I'm just kind of reporting on some of the various news stories that are popping up around the state. Um, <clears throat> there's uh, some discussion about oil and gas and what the effect is going to be as an economic driver over the next five years. There was a signing of a new law yesterday uh, in uh, in Big Lake. Governor Mike Dunleavy signed SB 87 into law. I love these little bills that I never, I didn't even hear about. I wasn't even paying attention to. You know, we get so hot and heavy and sometimes we get so fixated on certain things like, you know, PFD and budgets and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the election stuff and, and the shenanigans that are going on between the Senate and the House. You know, sometimes I lose, I lose perspective on littler bills. Like yesterday, we talked about the whole uh, HFC and PFAS bill, you know, with the, with the forever chemicals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but this is another bill that I had not heard anything about. Just, I mean, again, going to show you that there is some work being done in the legislature that uh, has an effect and is some is good work. Uh, bill signing yesterday at a uh, wood uh, sawmill in Big Lake yesterday. SB 87 was uh, <clears throat> finally signed by the governor. It establishes a lumber grading program for local sawmilling operators. That allows them to produce wood and lumber for the local market and create independence from imported lumber from lower 48 and Canada sources. Mill operators from across the state attended the event at Papoose Milling in Big Lake, where the governor had expressed an interest in shaping the timber industry for small businesses in Alaska. The lack of a current wood grading program in the state prohibits contractors from sourcing locally milled wood for residential construction and even restricts individuals looking to build their own code-compliant structures out of local wood. They can't get a bank loan to buy materials if it's not code-compliant and graded by the state. The signing of SB 87 changes that. Uh, you know, Hats off to Rep. Kevin McCabe, who represents Big Lake. He called the measure a small step towards using one of Alaska's largest renewable resources and that timber harvesting is economically beneficial, obviously. Uh, the uh, Northern Region Forester for the Division of Forestry, Jeremy Dow, said there's a number of reasons the division wants to open up more land for forest management, including fire mitigation, that's a big deal, and the growing issue with spruce bark beetles killing off spruce trees. Under this new law, the Alaska Division of Forestry is directed to develop the grading program and then issue lumber grading certificates to program participants or individuals who meet other qualifications. So now all these smaller uh, lumber mills, sawmills that are going on around the state, once they get through that certification program, you'll be able to build your own house slash cabin slash deck slash whatever you want <clears throat> with truly Alaskan grown materials. Uh, and still be able to participate in, you know, bank loans and stuff like that. So I guess that's a piece of good news. I mean, it's actually a bill that actually does something good. But uh, so congratulations to uh, everybody involved with that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what it means 
in the future for uh, for construction. I mean, especially after what we saw what happened post COVID with all the the price of lumber. That at one point, I think it tripled, if I'm not mistaken. I wasn't following it that closely, but if I recall correctly, it was at least two and a half times what it had been. So if we can get our own, uh, we can get our own timber in here and start uh, sawing our own boards and doing our own thing. Not a bad deal as far as that goes. So definitely looking forward to seeing what can come of that uh, here in the future for sure. And, uh, oh, uh, they, uh, the state troopers are asking for your help, especially you folks up in the interior. If you uh, were in the Delta Junction area or driving down the, uh, the, uh, the highway, the Alaska Highway, towards Delta Junction or, tor- or uh, t- uh, towards or away, Toke, that whole area. If you were there on Tuesday night, they're looking for your help. A Delta Junction man died on Tuesday. When he was hit while walking along the highway, he was hit by a vehicle that left the scene after he arrived. John Emmerich, 47, was walking southbound on the paved shoulder of the highway near Delta Junction when he was struck. Troopers responded to the report of the body in the road just before 10.20 p.m. They arrived to find the driver who struck Emmerich had fled. Evidence from the scene led investigators to believe that the suspect's vehicle is dark blue or gray. And that it drove towards Toke after hitting the man. They're urging anyone who may have witnessed the collision or has information to call the troopers. That includes anyone with dash cam camerage, <clears throat> excuse me, dash cam footage, dashboard camera footage, between 9.30 p.m. and Wednesday morning. If you were traveling up and down the highway uh, from Fairbanks to Delta Junction or Delta Junction to Toke, uh, between 9.30 p.m. and Wednesday morning, and you have a dash cam, which more and more people have. I, that's a, it's a whole other topic. But um, if you do, please contact the Alaska State Troopers. You may have captured uh, something here that uh, they need help with. At uh, You can call them at 451-5100. So if you've got dash cam footage, uh, we can talk about it. Which I think, <clears throat> you know, I've been thinking about putting a dash cam in my car. If you've ever watched YouTube and you've seen those crazy, crazy incidents of people doing things, um, you know, there's whole compilation videos of stupid people doing stupid things, people brake checking you, all this kind of stuff. There's an argument to be made that you may want to invest in a dash cam just to protect yourself from others out there. Um, And uh, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about putting a dash cam in my car just because. Uh, you just never know. There are some aggressive drivers out there. I, when I drive to Anchorage in the morning, uh, I literally put my cruise control at 66 miles an hour and just let it, people just zoom right on by me. That's fine. But there are some overly aggressive drivers, even when I do that. Even when I do that, there's people who just, they want to get in between you and the guy in front of you. They want to, and they're angry. If you don't move fast enough for them, I've been thinking about it. I mean, it's a you know couple hundred dollars or whatever it is, but... That might just be worth it in the long run. Uh, so, hey, if you got if you've got a dash cam, tell me. I call me up today. We're just chatting today. Call me up today, and we could talk about that. If you why you bought it, and has it saved you any kind of heartache or headache um, as well? All right. Well, we're up against the break, so we're going to continue here, and uh, we'll get some other stories, including some good news here in the first hour. Then David Boyle will be joining us in hour two. The Michael Luke Show. Common sense, 
liberty-based, free-thinking radio. What's your outlook for the state? Is it good, optimistic, pessimistic, somewhere in the middle? 907-433-3150. Phone lines are open. Back with more right after this on your home for Common Sense Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Oh, man. I think I got webbed feet. It's been raining so long. Oh, Perry uh, Wally from the Fairbanks station has been down here this week. We've been working together doing some stuff. And he just he looked at me yesterday and he said, does it ever stop raining down here? Does it ever stop raining down here? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it does eventually. Then it just starts snowing. No big deal. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let me see what you guys have been talking about here this morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Bill Brock. Bill has an outlook that may not be as optimistic as some of you. I'm just, I'm just saying. Bill's outlook may not be as... Uh, <laughs> uh, but Jeannie says, look, she's not optimistic, but she's here for the duration. I think that's the way a lot of us feel, you know. Um, Brian says he's worried, but not so much for himself, but for his kids. And that's what I feel more than anything else. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm worried about the trajectory of the state, but I'm worried about the trajectory of the country overall as well for many other reasons. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop fighting or I'm going to start doing it. There are bright spots on you know certain things, but it's... Um, it's it's still very frustrating, uh, and it is worrying. Um, good morning, good morning. Hey, Dad. See, my dad's in there. Um, let's see. Alaska, the land of disaster, says Jim. He's I don't I don't see that as an optimistic outlook. Um, Jeannie. <laughs> wow, Jeannie. Thanks for just throwing me some shade there. Jeannie's just like sorry, MD. It's going to rain until it snows, which is what I just said a minute ago. But yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, just give me a few more days. I promise not to piss it away. Yeah. Uh, why mow the lawn? It's covered by snow nine months of the year. Summer is too short. I'd rather ride my bike or kayak. Well, because I, we love to lay in the grass and we love to take the dogs out and enjoy the sunshine and sit outside and, and you know, have a cup of coffee with our shoes off, with our feet in the grass. And it's just nice to have a little bit of a manicured area where we can lay around and enjoy the outside when it, there is an outside. I mean, let's put it that way. Um, okay. Um, it's a good start. Uh, they're talking about SB 87. Brian said it's a good start. Sandy said it's a, it's some good news. Lumber grading program is going to be excellent, says DeShana. One more step into using our resources. Um, 
Sandy says she wants a donut. I want a donut. I want a donut this morning. Yummy. Uh, dash cams are cool until they confiscate them and use them against you. Change your cards frequently. Um, dash cam is going to save you some jail time uh, when one of those road ragers blocks you off and jumps out of their car to attack you. Yeah, no, I, I've seen some of those videos where <clears throat> I've watched a few of those compilation videos where the guys come in and they try and brake check people and then they claim you rear-ended them and the only thing that saved them from a big ticket was the fact that they had dash cam showing that they zoomed in there and brake checked them. Yeah, I did not. I am not. Just Shana said, did you decide if you're taking Friday? I'm not taking Friday off. I got too much stuff to do. Just too much stuff to do. Um. Jerrica, uh-oh, Jerrica's calling me out on something. What did I do? Uh, oh, <laughs> she says, Mr. Dukes and I have this awesome tradition where once a year I remind them that he never sent me my bag of beard curler for joining the Common Sense Corps, which I do for people. And then he tells me to email him so that he can send it to me, but then I forget to email him and remind him again in a year or so. Well, today's your annual rem- remembrance, Jerrica. Send me an email with your mailing address. And I will send it out to you. I happen to have a couple extra bags of beard curler. It's so tough to get sometimes. Uh, I have an extra bag of beard curler that I will send to you. And I'm supposed to get a new box in October. So we'll try and do that as well. So send it to me. And we'll get it We'll get it going on. All right. Uh, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Oh, I've got somebody on hold. I was going to ask their name. I apologize. We're going to be back. Let's not go anywhere. Here we go. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. What? Well, I mean, what What do you mean? What are you talking about? Uh, welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, Thursday edition coming up on the big Labor Day weekend. Hope you're enjoying yourselves. Coming up in hour two, David Boyle is going to be joining us to talk about education. That's a word I just made up. Uh, education and the local control aspect of education. But the phone lines are open right now, and I've been asking a few questions about uh, what do you feel? How are you thinking about the outlook for Alaska? What's going on? And it's just kind of open line, open form. But I got some other stories to talk about. First, though, to the telephones at 907-433-3150. Let's go over there right now to see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Ray from North Pole. Good morning, Ray. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I went outside 3 o'clock this morning. It's a full moon, and it's not raining. Uh, Hallelujah. And there's a bull moose standing next to my pickup. Been there for a week, and uh, I probably won't see him again now until the day after hunting season. I was just going to say, tomorrow you'll go out there, he'll be totally gone, and you'll be like, "Where you've been here for a week. I mean, what's going on? (laughs) <laughs> and the reason I called is uh, last week, the Alaska State Troopers in Fairbanks and the city police arrested 168 meth and fentanyl dealers in Fairbanks. And hats off to them. They did us a hell of a service in the last couple weeks. 168 in just the Fairbanks area alone? Yep. And uh, hats off to them. 
what a great job. And uh, But instead of giving them 12-year sentences and they got out in two or three, they ought to be trying them for murder. Anyway, have a good hunting season, and that's all I got for today. All right, Ray. Well, I appreciate you, call, uh, pre- appreciate you calling in, Ray. Thanks so much for that. Uh, 168 in the Fairbanks area alone. Woof. I mean, I knew it was probably pretty prevalent, but that, wow, it's just nutty. All right, let's go over here, continue on this morning. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, this is Mark in Fairbanks. Morning, Mark. um, I do have a couple of quick comments. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Um, Quick comments on the future of Alaska, but also... Um, I'd like to confirm that whole uh, trooper, police and trooper thing. They're working together. And um, everywhere you went in Fairbanks for a couple of weeks, there was like, you'd see running the cops everywhere. And you'd see three to five cops together everywhere, arresting people everywhere and uh, on the street. All these people had like meth looking cars. They actually looked the part. It's like everywhere they were pulled over. And at first you're thinking, hey, what the heck's going on? But it looks like they're doing a, a, a citywide, area-wide sting on drugs. It looks like total drug addicts. And um, it was amazing to hear the numbers that came out. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people don't think that it's that bad in Fairbanks, but it's that right. bad. Just look at the, again, the the street, the people living on the street, living in camps and different things. It's right. pretty bad. Well, so they, it looks, like they, is, uh, looks like they all came right out of central casting, huh? Does that look like they all came right out of central casting in Hollywood that they looked, this is the part of the meth dealer kind of thing? Yeah, it did. It was, it's crazy anyways, but it's crazy. But the other comments about the uh, optimistic future of the state, um, uh, one, I feel that it can be optimistic if we have leaders and politicians that put freedom first freedom for the people first if right. we have if we have local politicians state politicians that are willing to push back against the um the federal tyranny that the that the nation is under right now if they're willing to stand up for their uh, residents the citizens here in alaska and uh and protect us from the federal tyranny if we have again freedom loving um politicians then i think we'll have a good future but if we go the opposite way, then forget it. We're going to be right like the rest of the 40, <laughs> the lower 48 in areas right. that are controlled by the communist Democrats. So, well, so, I mean, if you were a betting man, um, if you were a betting man, then, Mark, where would you put our, you're saying, you know, it's an if or, if this, then that, if, you know, so if you were a betting man, where would you put our chances on the optimistic or the pessimistic side? Well, I guess I'd be a little bit pessimistic towards it unless we, the people, wake up and really start standing firm for our freedoms, our God-given freedoms, our constitutional freedoms. And, um, and again, unless we really start evaluating our politicians not based on what kind of money, what kind of bacon they can bring home for us, but what kind of uh, freedoms they can preserve for us. Right. So uh, anyways, you know, I want to say, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I I agree with you totally. That should be the focus. 
Yeah. And uh, this this is another little comment I wanted to make. I was thinking about what I was listening to. Um, the A lot of, uh, of the uh, national talk shows are talking about how um, they want to bring back the federal government, bring back all the COVID lockdowns and regulations and maskings and mandatory vaxes and stuff. And they've got new vax, vaccines. Um, the funny thing is um, I even have a few local people that have confirmed that, even though it's out there on um, Facebook and these other social media things a lot of people are talking about. But so I was telling this friend um, that happened to work at one of the Fred Myers here in town about, hey, there's a lot of people posting how in the hospitals and the lower 48 nurses and other doctors, other people in the government, and they're saying, hey, they want to bring in the lockdowns again this fall. Who would have guessed that? Oh, it's election time. We need some lockdowns. We need more mail-in ballots, right? Right. So anyways, um, I was telling this lady, and, um, and she says, um, well, funny you mentioned that. I haven't heard that. I haven't been listening to the news much recently, but working here at Fred Myers, I goes in the back in the store area the other day, and I'm looking around for my stuff, and I see this huge quantity of face masks that we've never had. We, I haven't seen in like, you know, three years or something. And she's like, so maybe they are getting ready for something <laughs> because that was completely abnormal for the past two or three years. Yeah. We haven't had a big stock of face masks like that. Yeah. You know, I, you, you keep, Anyways, you keep hearing about that stuff, Mark. I appreciate your call, Mark. Thank you. I mean, you keep hearing about stuff like that. <laughs> you keep hearing about, uh, Oh, there's going to be a fall lockdown. There's going to be, I'll be honest with you. I, I just don't think people will stand for it. I mean, I just don't think people, you know, they were willing to go along with it once because it was new and novel and nobody knew what was happening. And, the, you know, and but I just don't think that people will stand for it. I mean, some of us didn't stand for it anyway. I mean, I never stopped working. I never got, you know, I, I made my own choice on my health care, my vaccines and everything. I just, you know, we just did what it we did. It did. Everybody. I got COVID. My wife got COVID. The kids got COVID. Everybody got it. We dealt with it. We got through it. I mean, it is what it is. Like I said, it's gone from pandemic to endemic. So it's just here to stay. It's going to be cold flu and COVID season every fall. That's what's going to happen. If they're going to try and lock down the country every time that there's a spike, I just, I, anyway, I just don't think people will stand for it again. So I'm, I think that there's still some fear mongering going on with that. Personally, I haven't seen any, you know, any evidence of any of that. I see that there's a lot of talk, a lot of chatter, but that happens a lot. Let's go over here. Uh, uh, next call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. It's Jesse Keel calling from Juno. How are you, Michael? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I, I, I call with great news from the rainforest. We have solved your lawn problem here in the southeast. Oh, what if you – okay. You ready? What, how do you fix it? I want to know. I need to know. Moss is green, and you don't have to mow it. <laughs> so pull up all that turf and just replace it with moss. It'll all be fine. Oh, I, I got good news for you. Even better news, Michael. If if uh, the rain doesn't stop, the moss is just going to grow and kill your grass anyway. You just don't take any work. <laughs> exactly. Well, I I'm, I'm here to help. You're here to help. Yeah, exactly. Well, half of my problem is that I I've got I've already fixed part of it because I got clover on my yard and I just let the clover spread. I'm just like it'll be fine. It'll it's pretty low profile. We may just replace the whole whole lawn with a with a clover field and we'll see what good goes on here. Uh, what's on your mind, Senator? What's uh, what's you, you have 
Well, hey, um, I, I listened to your show uh, yesterday, and I heard you talking with, uh, with my colleague, with Representative Vance, uh, and I know you were talking about the PFAS yes. bill that the governor vetoed. Yes. And I just I wanted to call in and clear a couple of things up. And the, the first one is something that, um, that Representative Vance raised from a conversation with a colleague about whether there was anything in the bill that might be damaging to Alaska's oil and gas industry. And and I really worked, this bill was a five-year project. I really okay. worked with oil and gas industry, and, and especially with the Alaska Pipeline, to make sure that we didn't do that, that we didn't hurt them. Um, and in fact, um, uh, folks from Alaska, uh, once the bill got transmitted to the governor, um, I let them know and they agreed to call him uh, and let his office know that um, that they didn't have any concerns or issues with the bill. And, and I'll just tell you how that works. There are fluorine-free firefighting foams mm-hmm. that work great for uh, you know airports and jet fuel fires and, God forbid, any of those things that we, we need firefighting stuff to, to deal with. There's nothing yet that would think that would put out think about those giant uh, crude oil storage tanks at Belbies. There's actually nothing yet to replace those and so my bill delayed any rules about PFAS for the oil and gas industry until there is something that exists that's nationally certified and that the state fire marshal I tried to get it as far away from politicians as I possibly could. The state fire marshal says would work for the oil and gas industry. So um, we, we worked really hard with them because um, I believe that you got to work with people if you're going to make rules and make sure they make sense. They do right. what you want and nothing more than what you need to do. And so um, I just wanted to put everybody's mind at ease because um, I'm going to try and figure out a way to deal with this uh, this toxic stuff that keeps getting in the drinking water. Um, that we're we're not going to hamstring the oil and gas industry. We're not going to kill people. Right. Well, and 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 I guess it, as I admitted yesterday. Um, the, I, you know, I knew very little about this bill. I hadn't even really heard about it during the session. There was, you know, obviously some bigger fish to fry to talk about other things. But, uh, you know, I obviously you're right. You don't want to hamstring operations across the state of Alaska, oil and gas specifically. But what about the rural component? I mean, that's an interesting thing, too, because there's a lot of rural communities that either have PFAS type equipment that doesn't work anymore or they don't have an alternative and they don't have a way to get it shipped out to them. I mean, there might be in a significant investment to find alternatives to get it out to some of these rural areas, right? So that's a that's a great thing, and I, Michael, I I heard you talk to uh, my colleague Representative Vance about about having a hard time talking to the governor. I, when he got the bill, and I heard there might be a rumor. I uh, didn't hear from his people, but I heard a rumor there might be a problem. I I asked to meet with him in person on phone. I don't care. Just talk to him. Um, and then a week later, I asked again, and, and, and then a week after that, or a few days after that, I guess, um, <laughs> never talked to me, and I learned he'd vetoed it. <laughs> and the only thing he put in his veto message, right, and our Constitution says when the governor vetoes a bill, he's got to return a statement of why, was he talked about, about rural public safety. And, and, um, and, and uh, trying to be uh, uh, constructive here, uh, it was pretty misguided. So 10, 12 years ago, 13 maybe, um, the state and some nonprofits helped put some firefighting equipment out in the bush, about 132, maybe it's 136 communities. They got a, they called them code red carts, and literally, it's a cart you can pull behind a four-wheeler and go fight a fire with. Right. Got pumped, got hosed. In case there's a fire uh, at, a, at a village, you know, tank farm or something, um, it had a canister of this PFAS firefighting foam. 
Um, and you you would never use this stuff for anything but an oil and gas fire or a jet fuel fire, that, that sort of thing. Right. Right. It's, it, you wouldn't use this for wildland firefighting. Um, and, and of the 130-some of them, um, the governor's administration confirms that more than 85% are broken. They don't work. You can't fight a fire with them. Right. Right. They just, <laughs> the thing didn't stand up. So there are 20 carts out there you might be able to fight a, an oil or a gas fire with in rural Alaska. Right. Um, and and the what my bill had was a take-back provision that said, look, the state will take this PFAS Senator, uh, stuff back Senator, so could it you, doesn't leak. Senator, Some of these carts, you know, stuff th- happens, right? Some of them have been yeah, destroyed. Oh, there's, go ahead. there's a bit of a delay here, and I apologize. But, Senator, can you hold on a second? I'm up against a hard break, and I want to continue this discussion. If you're willing to stick with me for just a few minutes here, we'll, we'll let you finish, and then I, I have one more question for you. So if you'll hold on through the break, we'll come right back to you, okay? Standing by. All right. Thanks so much. Senator Jesse Keels just called in, and we're talking with him. We're going to be back uh, with more here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more in just a moment and uh, more with Senator Jesse Q right after this. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break for just a minute here. Senator Jesse Keel is on hold. Let me get caught up in the chat room here real quick. I, I want to continue this conversation uh, because, again, I had very little um, exposure to this bill during its discussion. And having the senator on is, uh, I think, a good uh, a good chance to kind of extrapolate some of the things and get some of the... Uh, get some of the stuff uh, uh, from behind the scenes, so to speak. Um, let me go back real quick here while we're on hold uh, and see what your comments have been so far on some of the things that we've uh, uh, talking about throughout this morning. Uh, I always like to kind of highlight some of the questions that keep uh, or comments that keep, that uh, catch my attention. Um, Anthony says, I'm, uh, I'm happy we've started this wood grading program from a homegrown resource ideology, but I can't help but be a little jaded over the fact that the government has to tell me that the board I cut from a tree is, in fact, wood for me to be authorized to use it. Well, you can use – and I guess here's the thing. I agree with you, Anthony. It's always a little troubling to have government involved at every level of things that you want to do. But this wasn't saying that you couldn't mill your own lumber and build your own home. Essentially, this really wasn't a governmental problem. This was a lending institution problem. Many of the lenders would not lend you money to build a home that didn't have certified wood. I mean, I don't know how they would know whether you had certified wood or not. Uh, You know, if you're just going into, I don't know. There must be some fine print somewhere that does that. Um, but again, it's, uh, it's another way to just allow people to be able to use those homegrown resources, but, uh, you could always build with your own lumber. You could build with your own logs. You could build a log home. You could, you could mill them down. You could do whatever, but yeah, it's a little ridiculous sometimes when you feel like, when you feel like you have to go beg the government permission to do something with your own stuff. It's a little frustrating. (laughs) I guarantee you that. Rick says 168, we're talking now about all the, the, the drug busts up in Fairbanks, 168 meth dealers. In, that does seem like a lot, doesn't it? I keep thinking like, 
you know, I always have these ideas being, you know, kind of born and raised in Fairbanks. You kind of have this idea of Fairbanks still kind of being this small town with not nearly the problems of places like Anchorage and everything else. But that there's always something right under the surface that you just don't see. Right. It's just damn. Um, all right. What else we got? Um, um, it's beautiful, sunny. Um, Donna Ardwin points out that the, uh, Alaska has the lowest, worst GDP growth, economic growth in the country for the last 10 years. And again, I think this is a factor in part of what we've talked about with the disconnect between, you know, in the legislature between it's the disconnect between government and the private economy, the public economy and the private economy, because we don't draw our revenue source from the private economy like pretty much every other state does through some form of taxation, you know, sales tax, income tax, whatever they're doing, because there is no connectivity uh, connectivity between the public and private economy. That's why uh, for for the most part, those that are in, you know, in the government, putting funds together, budgeting, they're not really considering I mean, it may be somewhere on their list, but they're not considering what's happening in the private economy because that's not where their funding comes from. Their funding comes from the permanent fund or oil taxes or or fees or all these other revenues or the permanent fund dividend itself. They draw the money from the permanent fund dividend themselves. So they really they don't care what's happening in the private economy. That has no that has no real um, you know, direction on what they're doing with the monies and the revenues that they're generating over here. So that's part of that disconnect problem that we've been talking about here on the program. Um, it's, a, it's, 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 and as, as it gets worse, it's, it's going to be bad because as the economy continues to decline, all that will be left will be a government economy. And the only businesses that would be left would be the businesses that service the government economy. And that's just not that's not the future that I want for my kids. You know what I mean? Um, Anthony makes a comment on the, the caller who said about the lockdown, potential lockdowns in the fall. He said it'll never happen again. There's absolutely zero chance of mandatory lockdowns. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think people were. Uh, you know, we're willing to give it a shot in the first go around, but you saw how it all worked out. And we saw that that was actually in many cases, the wrong thing to do, especially from an economic standpoint. I just don't see people. Um, I, I just don't see people uh, taking, I, I don't see people complying with that. I'm sorry. It's just, that's just how it works. Um, all right. Um, Oh, you guys got you got, all of a sudden you guys got real verbose there. Um going through some of these other comments. Uh and there we go. All right. Uh we're coming up. Uh, we've got about uh 30 seconds here before we rejoin the radio. Somebody just said that my break is playing on the radio. Well, I don't know what to say to that. Here we go. Welcome back. The Michael Duke Show. Getting ready to jump back into it. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Senator Jesse Keel is our guest. And we are going to continue this discussion on PFAS, Forever Chemicals, and everything else. David Boyle will be joining us in Hour 2 to talk about education and local control. That's all coming up. So let's get back to it. Here we go. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the things. Let's do it.
All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for continuing with us. Uh, right before the break, we got a call uh, out of the blue from Senator Jesse Keel, who wanted to come on and talk with us about his PFAS bill, which we discussed yesterday briefly with uh, Representative Sarah Vance. Again, it was a bill that I wasn't really familiar with. It was actually a two-part bill. First part of the bill was put in by Stanley Wright, and that would have al- allowed for, in Alaska, in the statute, to allow building codes to... Um, allow for alternatives to HFCs, hydrofluorocarbons, in refrigerants and HVAC systems. And in the last few days, a secondary part was added by Senator Keel, which dealt with the PFAS, which is uh, uh, the firefighting chemicals that can contaminate groundwater and uh, got cancer-causing stuff. It's not good stuff, right? Uh, The governor vetoed that bill specifically because of the PFAS components and said that there were concerns about how it would affect the oil and gas industry and others, which uh, Senator Keel has answered. Uh, But he was just talking about, because I asked the question, one of the reasons that the governor gave in his veto was that there were communities out there that had PFAS equipment in rural communities and villages, and there was just no way to get them the alternatives because we don't have the alternatives in the state right now. And there was some suspect that it would be a big state outlay to try and fix this. Senator Keel was answering that question when he was so rudely interrupted by the commercial break. So let's come back to that and we will pick that up. 130-something red carts, they call them, uh, firefighting carts with PFAS in all these villages. You say 85% of them are now broken and ineffective. So we only have about 20. So we should be on a replacement cycle anyway. Is that kind of the direction you're going there, Senator? Well, wouldn't I love that? But that's, uh, I mean, that, that's got a big price tag. Um, and so that wasn't in my bill. Um, but, but what we did um, was we provided for the state to take the toxic stuff out of the communities. And um, so you don't have any loss in public safety if you have a cart that's broken and has poison on it, or you have a cart that's broken and doesn't have poison on it. Either way, you, you can't fight a fire with it. For the 20 that still work, the take-back was voluntary. They could say, no oh, thanks, we'll keep it. And remember I told you the bill didn't hurt the ability to spray this stuff on an oil and gas tank farm. So they could still use them. God forbid they had that problem. So there's no loss in public safety at all from my bill. Now, I would love to work with the governor or his administration by the flooring free foams to the villages any day. Happy to do it, but um, he never asked for that, never proposed that. I worked and answered every problem DOT had about airports, every issue DEC had, every issue public safety had with the fire marshal's office, rural fire protection. We, uh, we got all the boxes checked until it went to the governor's desk, and suddenly, for reasons I, I can't tell you, Michael, because he didn't talk to me, he vetoed it. Um, that's, that's a tough one. I did want to point out one other thing, and this matters because it's dollars, cents, and taxes. The cost of that take back statewide would be $2.5 million. Okay. And we appropriated that money. Now, that won't go because the governor vetoed the bill. Um, the cost of one spill from one of those 130-some-odd carts, cleaning that up is going to be a lot more than $2.5 million. And you multiply that by however many spill before we finally deal with this. Here's the fun part. Villages don't have the money for a big hazmat cleanup, right? The only place that's going to pay for that is the state's hazardous materials fund. And there's two sources of money for that, a nickel a barrel on every barrel of oil down taps 
and almost a penny on every gallon of heating oil that any Alaskan buys. That is coming right. out of Alaskan taxpayers' pockets. Right. And two and a half million dollars of prevention would have prevented a whole lot of tax dollars right. of attempts to clean up. Yeah, so I, it was not a good fiscal move to veto this bill. Yeah, look, I mean, I have, uh, I mean, I think the bill is a good idea. Um, I, I have no problem, especially if there's alternatives that work just as well that don't have cancer-causing properties and everything else. I think that that makes sense. As the technology improves, we need to do better. Uh, for sure. Um, <clears throat> two questions. First and foremost, though, one of the things, even though I have no problem with the bill, I think it's a good bill. Uh, I always have a little bit of a problem when bills get Christmas treed onto other bills, you know, kind of in the last minute. So what was your thinking in doing that, adding it to representative rights bill uh, instead of having it as a standalone measure? Was it just convenience? Was it, you know, did you feel like they were, you know, companions that they were, you know, they they worked on the same level? What was the reasoning? Because I'm always a little worried about last minute. We only have a few days to look at it. Unintended consequences of things like that. What was the reasoning behind Christmas treeing this onto another bill? Yeah, I appreciate that. The, I mean, the answer is the clock. Um, 121-day limit to the session. That's the Constitution. Then a five-year project, and, and we had uh, good agreement. All the departments. Well, it looks like we may have lost the senator's call. <clears throat> Let me put him back on hold for uh, it. looks like we may have lost the senator's call. Let me put him back on hold here for a second uh, and see uh, if I can reconnect with him. I don't know if we just lost the call or lost the audio for it. Let's uh, let me try this again here real quick. All participants yep. are muted. There we go. So let me see if I can pick him back up one more time. You still with us, Senator? No, it looks like his cell phone has dropped the call. Uh, so, Senator, if you could still hear me, you can call back and we'll get some more. I still have one more question for you, so I'd love to hear what you guys, what you have to say on that. So I'm going to just dump the call here. He may not be able to hear me if we lost audio going at both. Sometimes those cell phones, they just don't, uh, they just don't stay connected. Uh, so we'll see if we can get Senator Jesse Keel back on the program because I do have one more question for him uh, coming up uh, here uh, this morning. And we'll see what uh, where it goes right there. Uh, just got a <clears throat> call that joined. Don't forget, David uh, David Boyle is going to be joining us here in just a second. Uh, as soon as this call shows up, we're going to connect again real quick here and see if we can get the senator back on. Let's try that one more time. You still with us, Senator? Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm back. Sorry about that. Yeah, we lost the connection on the cell phone there. So I'm sorry, you were saying just it was the timing issue, it was everything else, everybody was in agreement, so it seemed like a good time to to add it to the other bill. Is that is that a fair assessment of it? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, my bill uh, was actually scheduled for its hearing in House Finance before it went to the House floor, and then the clock ticked over, and uh, we were just running low on time. So I, I talked to Stanley Wright, um, who has a great bill, by the way, no beef with anything in his bill at all, um, and asked him, and I want to be clear, I, I, we didn't Shanghai his bill. We didn't sit him down on anybody's couch and said, listen, we need your help, right? I, I said, I want a handshake, not a hijack. Um, and he, he ran it up the trap line, talked with other folks, and, and he agreed. Um, and I never 
would have done that if I thought there right. was an inkling of opposition to my bill. But right. so uh, I don't know. I owe Stanley. Uh, if, if if he drinks, I owe him a beer. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that it had wide support. I think the vast majority, with the exception of one or two people in the entire legislature, voted for it. Again, I have no opposition to the bill. Uh, I think it, it raises some other questions about kind of what's what the direction is uh, that the governor's taking and everything else. Um, but I'm coming up on the uh, top of the hour break here. Uh, Senator Jesse Keel, uh, please stick with us for just a second. I'm going to talk to you over the top of the hour here and uh, ask you one more question off the air with the listeners in the chat room, which is just another reason why you should join the chat room, because then you can hear the question from the senator. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. If you want to join us out there, we got 60 people or so hanging out with us there. Coming up in just a minute, uh, rep, uh, excuse me, uh, David Boyle is going to be joining us, education advocate uh, and senior contributor to Must Read. He's uh, got an article about local control we're going to discuss. That's all coming up next. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Back with more after this. Okay, we're in the break right now. Uh, Senator Jesse Keel joins us. Uh, Senator, uh, first and foremost, thanks for calling in and, and clearing a lot of this up. Like I said, I have no problem with this bill. I'm a little confused by some of the actions that the governor's been taking. And let me tell you one of the things that really stuck out for me on this, uh, especially in the article uh, in the ADN where it talks about this, and you mentioned it earlier, the governor declined to rec- his your request to meet with him before the veto. Uh, he didn't want to talk to you. Uh, you said you've worked in the Capitol for more than 20 years as a staffer and then as a lawmaker. And you said you've never seen a governor hide from a meeting like this. Now, my criticism of the governor is well known uh, in the fact that he is just he's radio silent at almost every level. I mean, even in this program, which you would think is probably pretty friendly territory for him, um, he just has ignored every opportunity to come on and discuss issues, to talk about budgetary stuff, to talk about... We haven't talked to the governor in almost... I got to say, it's probably been 18 months since we've talked to the governor. And it just seems like, from your perspective, has his outreach to the to the public, let alone to the legislature, to the public, been lacking? I mean, is that is that kind of where your 20-year comment came from? Um, I... I Michael, all I can tell you is um, this is a small state, right? There's 720, 30,000 people, right? You've you got to work with Alaskans to do stuff that works. The first version of this PFAS bill was six, seven pages long, and departments came in and they said, this part doesn't work, and I changed it, and this part needs a tweak, and I took it out, or whatever we needed to do so that it actually made sense, did what we needed and no more. If the governor had an issue, he could just talk to me. He's got my cell number. And and we've done that for years with all kinds of people. And when Alaskans call, we talk to them right. so that we do stuff that makes sense. We're not going to agree on everything, but you got to talk to people. Yeah. That's the job. Yeah, I'm I, again, I guess I'm I, I'm just a little frustrated because again, you know, normally with vetoes, sure, the, I mean the constitution says you have to make a statement and usually it might be a memo, but usually the governor comes out and answers questions and talks to the public. It's just, it just seems to have been radio silent for a long time from the uh, from the governor's mansion, and I'm I'm just a little concerned that uh, there's a disconnect between 
the governor and the legislature, the governor and the people. Uh, it just seems like there needs to be a little bit more give and take uh, because, as you said, it's part of the job. Part of the job is standing up and answering questions, whether they be softball questions or hard questions. And uh, I'm a little frustrated that we're not uh, we're not seeing a little more proactivity from the administration on this kind of outreach. And especially something like this, like you said, when you explain to people to say there's bad carts in these villages that they have no way to get out of there the state is willing to pick it up because if one of them spills, it'll cost more than if we just went and picked it up from every village. I mean, that that's makes sense from a, from a monetary standpoint, from a public safety standpoint, from a health and welfare standpoint. That all makes sense. Why would we shoot it down uh, again? Uh, it, it's I think it's a valid point that you're making here. So. Um, all right. Well, Senator, I appreciate you coming on board. Uh, always welcome to call in the program if you got anything going on or you have something you want to talk about. We're, uh, you know, we're, we always love to hear uh, you know, what you have to say, whether we agree or not. It's uh, it's always good to have the discussion, if nothing else. Absolutely, Michael. I'll, I'll make sure you've got myself. If you ever want to want to get me on proactively and i'll call in again yeah absolutely just you can email it to me if you want me at michaeldukeshow.com i'd love to have that uh, because if i've got questions it's always good to get it straight from the horse's mouth instead of through 53 different channels of you know news media spin or whatever love to hear what you have to say so thank you so much you're, for coming on board you're not the first person to call me a horse or a part of it <laughs> something like that something like that it's the di- horse of a different color we've heard tell about all right thank you senator thank you for calling in i appreciate it thanks michael have a good one all right senator jesse keel calling in this morning uh for a little bit of chit chat that's some good stuff um that's some that's some good stuff all right. Um, all right. I see David Boyle is in the green room, uh, hanging out, uh, ready to talk about it. I could see he's pointing at his shirt. I see your shirt. I see your, I see your good. We're going to get into that here in just a second. Uh, let me, uh, in fact, get things all ready for that. Uh, David Boyle, uh, about to be our guest here on the program. Let's uh, get things uh, scored away. We'll add him to the stream, check his audio, see what he has to say. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, good morning, Michael. I'm great. I finally got over my COVID. And feeling better, right? <laughs> yeah, feeling a lot better. The biggest, uh, the greatest symptom was just a hacking, like smoker's cough and uh, extreme fatigue. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I had COVID for a hot minute here and it it was just like the bad flu for me. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you're able to come out of it. Uh, it seems like we're, we're starting to get a little bit uh, immunized against that stuff just by getting it. So We'll see. Uh, yep. We'll see how that comes out. Um, all right. Well, we're about uh, ninety seconds out from uh, restart and rejoining the radio here, and so we'll be ready to dive down into this, and uh, we'll pick things up with you here in just a hot second. Okay. That's fine. Thank you, Michael. Okay. I'm going to put you back in the green room and you can hang out there for just a second. All right, folks, if you would uh, love to, uh, if you'd love to, uh, I'd love for you, let me, let me rephrase, please like and share. That was what I want. <laughs> please like and share. Please like and follow. Please do all the uh, the things on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell and do all that stuff. The more folks we can get involved, the better it is. So come on down. We will uh, we'll we'll all be part of it. Uh, don't forget tomorrow coming up. It is Firearms Friday. Oh man, uh, can't wait for that. And then the long weekend. So we're looking forward to uh, 
Looking forward to all being part of that and enjoying it with you. So, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Jumping back into it. David Boyle, our guest. Education is the topic. It's all dead ahead. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Thursday edition of The Michael Dukes Show. It is... um, Dark, rainy, and stormy, and that's what it's going to be for the rest of the day. So if you're out in the South Central area, down on the peninsula, that uh, Dem- Damre, the, uh, the the typhoon, it's petering out here against it's smashing its final hurrah against Alaska. So we're going to have high winds and rain down here. Rain is actually going to go all the way up into the interior. Flood watches are still an alert for Delta and Fairbanks up until Friday tomorrow tomorrow afternoon. So it's going to be wet. I just wanted to give you the heads up in case you're just joining us and missed that. It's going to be wet. and uh, But hopefully, fingers crossed, it dries out over the weekend. I'm just praying. I want to get my lawn mowed one more time before the end of summer. Uh, all right, coming up in hour two today, we're going to focus a bit on education. Uh, and joining us today to talk about that is education advocate and senior contributor over at Must Read Alaska, uh, David Boyle. He's been uh, he's been uh, doing a lot with education over the last. Boys, I think J- David and I have talked for probably the last fifteen years over these issues, and most yep. recently he's got this piece up uh, on Must Read that talks about local control. And so we're going to kind of dissect that and talk about it. David Boyle joins us this morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Morning, Michael. I'm doing great for an older member of the society. <laughs> an older member of the I can identify with that. I can identify with that remark. Um, David, so um let's uh let's first let's start uh, talking about uh, uh what the article entails and what you're talking about uh here. First and foremost, the headline of the article reads Who really controls local schools? And uh, you, you you started out by saying basically the school boards and other governments things tell us that our school boards are under local control, but you start by pointing out that that is not necessarily the case. There is a tail wagging the dog kind of thing going on here. So walk us through this uh, from the beginning and let's let's dissect this as we go through. 
Okay, thank you, Michael, for having me on. Uh, as you know, I've been working on K-12 education and trying to improve it in Alaska since, oh, probably about 2007 when I first ran for the Anchorage School District uh, School Board and was soundly defeated. <laughs> anyway, anyway, you know, every time we talk about policies in the local schools and, and regulations, um, and every time we talk about K-12 education in the legislature, we'll always hear the mantra, it's local control. We hear that from, you know, the mayors of the boroughs. We hear it from school boards and we actually hear it from, from, from the governor. Uh, it's all about local control. We'll come to find out that that's a falsehood. Local control kind of implies that parents and the local citizenry control the policies, the curricula, and all the elements of operating a school. Well, you know, it's kind of a feel-good thing. It's not really true, as some of us know, because local control is actually from the outside organizations, those organizations outside of Alaska. And there are many of them. Uh, I've only mentioned three in my article on Mustry Alaska. Uh, the biggest one, as we know, is the National Education Association, National. That's the organization of Washington, D.C. And by, by the way, they have a budget of over, doo -doo -doo, hold on a minute, 300, uh, $300 million a year, which are dues collected from the members, particularly uh, teachers, librarians, nurses, that uh, members of the NEA in Alaska. And the American Federation of Teachers is also another teachers union in Alaska, particularly in uh, the Fairbanks North, North Star Borough. But um, so, you know, we've had a lot of policies. I, I'm not gonna call them policies because they're not really policies. They're administrative regulations. And this is another way of the outside organizations inserting themselves into the, all the local school districts in Alaska. What, what they do is they don't make them policies, the school boards in these districts, because then they would have to vote on them, like transgender policies, uh, critical race theory policies, so and gender ID policies. These are all put into administrative guidelines and regulations. So the school board doesn't have to vote on it. But my way of thinking, if they're called guidelines, for example, with transgenders and gender identity, then that's just what they are. They're guidelines, they're suggestions. They're not really enforceable as policies. So the, the school boards in the districts, the five major districts can hide behind this. And they say, I didn't vote for this. It's not a policy. It's just a, it's a regulation and a guideline. And so most of the Alaska school districts have surrendered their local control, what they call local control, to outside organizations. And parents have very little say when it comes to these types of policies, uh, particularly, let's call in gender ID, transgender uh, guidelines, and sex education. I, you know, I, here, here's the thing. I mean, you, you, the, the whole regulation versus law thing, David, we've seen this and not just in education, but in a variety of, uh, governmental <clears throat> capacities where, you know, we have agencies or bureaucracies that are creating, uh, regulations that have in effect, the, they have the, the power of law. Right. They may be just regular regulations, but in the in the but bottom in, line is the they line. are they they have the force of law. 
through policy or permutation without having a vote, without having that representative government go in there. And that is a very frustrating thing. And as you say, they can then keep their hands clean and say, oh, well, we didn't really vote on it. It's just a policy. And it, But again, if it's, a, if it's enforced like it's law, if it's enforced like it's the rule of the land, then that's part of the problem. And it's not just you know, critical race theory or gender ideology or things like that. Uh, you know, we've talked, of course, about the whole book thing and the libraries and all this. What really troubles me is that the reaction or the backlash from the teachers unions and from different organizations, kind of like a how dare parents get involved and try and stop these things? How dare parents uh, have a opinion on this? Uh, I mean, we've seen parents who've gone to school board meetings to talk about this, I think a very reasonable thing. We've seen seen them be labeled as, you know, a dangerous organization, even terroristic threats from some school boards across the country. And this is kind of a national movement, but I think people are starting to wake up. Well, I hope they're starting to wake up. It might be a little late for that. And particularly parents need to wake up and, and the parents need to learn from the left and start implementing the same type of uh, strategies and tactics that the left uses. They need to they need to flood the school boards with testimony. And I particularly don't think um, I don't think a lot of school boards listen, particularly the Anchorage School Board. They don't really listen to to members of the of the public, as we've seen. They're controlled, uh, I believe, almost totally by the um, Anchorage Education Association, the teachers union. Uh, six of the seven members are basically on the board wearing their NEA or AEA uh, patches on their shirts. Uh, the only one that doesn't in the Anchorage School District is uh, David Donnelly. And Dave can't get much done because he can't even get a second to any of his motions. So there's no discussion or debate. It's all right. stifled. Right. But the, the one, the one, uh, the gender idea, ideology policy is really being pushed nationally, has been for years. And that was to my surprise, actually, for, except for about a year ago. Um, their gen the gender ideology apologies in Anchorage, Juneau, the Nome Public Schools, Skagway, and the Fairbanks North Star Borough, they're almost word for word identical to what the NEA has pushed down from their national headquarters. Now, this isn't just in Alaska. This is nationwide. So if you go to these, and I've got links to the different uh, any the gender ideology, ID, <clears throat> pardon me, ideology policies on my uh, article on must read. I've linked it for the Anchorage, Juneau, Nome, Skagway, and Fairbanks uh, school districts. I have links to those various policies, and if you click on them, you'll find out. Holy cow! It, they're almost identical word for word. The only one that's a little different is Anchorage school district on transgender gender ID poli identity policies, they've actually put theirs out in a 10-page document, uh, which is just a different format, but basically the same rules as uh, the NEA national pushes. So the NEA actually has more say than parents and citizens. <clears throat> and it's, part, it's actually partnered with some really questionable groups. One of them is called Advocates for Youth, and they get together and develop standards for sex education. They have a group, that, that group rather has a YouTube site called Amaze, A-M-A-Z-E. And uh, if you're gonna go to that uh, YouTube site, make sure your kids aren't watching over your shoulder because it has information on females, masturbation, porn, fact or fiction, gender roles and stereotypes, and many, many other 
<laughs> really questionable uh, uh, things. So go to that page, uh, Amaze YouTube site if you want to really find out what's going on with the NEA as well. And they joined with all these other, um, let's say, very leftist groups, National Center for Lesbian Rights, Gender Spectrum, the ACLU, of course, and the Human Rights Campaign, which is the big uh, uh, elephant in the room. And they provide a guide to school districts called Schools in Transition, a guide for supporting transgender students in K-12 schools. That document, it, it's 68 pages long and it's, it's very detailed. And actually the school districts have taken this and implemented this in their administrative guidelines as well. Right. Um, so, you know, they're pushing sex education, gender identity, uh, parents have very little say. Uh, the NEA has more influence than parents. And people well, need to stand up and they need to ask their, the, the school board and they need to ask their local superintendent, why have you implemented these policies? Where do, my, my big question was when it started, when I saw these policies and regulations, I, where did these come from? Right. Well, you do just a little bit of research and you'll find out where they came from. The teach, National Teachers Union in the Washington, D.C., and they're using members' monies to pay for this, which is actually, when you look at it, taxpayer monies because it's uh, union member dues. And right. that's another issue. Well, I guess my well, and one of my main idea. questions is when did, when did the NEA stop focusing on child education and instead start focusing on social engineering, which is essentially what this is, social engineering and social issues. I mean, when did that come about? That That's a whole nother deal. All right, David, I'm going to put you on hold for just a second. We got to come up. Uh, we're coming up here on the break. We're going to be back in just a moment. David Boyle is our guest, education advocate and senior contributor to Must Read Alaska. He's got his article up in Must Read right now about who really controls local schools. And uh, we're going to talk with him again in the next segment about some of the other issues outside of the gender identity. We'll talk a little bit about the library and the book issue. And again, some of the reactions from around the state and around the United States on this kind of stuff. Because this is not strictly an Alaska problem. We'll continue this discussion in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. David Boyle, our guest, back with more right after this. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break right now. Uh, David Boyle is our guest. Uh, David, uh, there with us. Uh, what's the reaction for this article been so far, David? I mean, I know you're kind of preaching to the choir on must read, but uh, any yeah. good reactions on this? Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of the reactions are from uh, similar to a lot of the articles I read uh, on must read uh, regarding K twelve education. <laughs> and so I can summarize it in saying that. Get your kids out of public schools. Yeah, <laughs> homeschool them, and yeah. you know, you. It's a great, it's a great idea, but there are a lot of parents that can't homeschool. They're single parents, um, but K twelve education is the most important thing for your children. Um, well, and I really fear for this nation. I look, David. I don't disagree that you know education is important. Um, I mean, to me, as soon as I read an article like this, I look at it and say, well, this is reason number 573 why you should homeschool your kids, <laughs> uh, right? But 
you know, and I and I hear what you're saying. Some people can't do it, et cetera, et cetera. But here's my thing. I've always said I will fight for a fair and equitable education system that works and makes sense. But as I'm fighting this fight, I'm not going to leave my kids out in the middle of the battlefield to take the slings and arrows from everybody in the middle yeah. of it. And that's what's happening. You know, oh, we'll fight for it. We'll do this. Meanwhile, we leave our kids in school and they're the ones that are getting wounded and damaged and, you know, not getting the education they need and everything else in the middle. So for me, I'll still fight for the system, but I'm going to take my kids out of it in the middle of that fight because there's no sense in letting them get hit by friendly fire or enemy fire on the battlefield when we should be fighting this fight. I mean, you know, and and there are ways to work around things like, uh, you know, single parents or people who can't do it. I know I get that criticism all the time. Every time I say homeschool your kids, they're like, well, there are people who can't. And I understand there are people who are going to have a hard time homeschool. But is it important or is it not? Is it worth the sacrifice or is it not? You yeah. know, those are, you know, is there is there a way to do it? Can you find, you know, family members? Can you find other like-minded people that can help you homeschool your kids if you're a single parent? Or I mean, there are ways to get some of this stuff done, um, but it does require some sacrifice. And I just ask the question is, are your kids worth it? That's that, that's the bottom line. Are your kids worth it? And uh, boy, that's a hard question for some people to answer. Um, and, and there are a lot of, and you, you know, you know, Michael as well, there are a lot of parents that are just not, not engaged in their kids' education at all. And that's, that's really unfortunate. That's been the case for forever, but I think it's even, um, greater today. Yeah. Some I mean, parents yeah. just are not engaged. There's always been a component. Care. There's always been a component or, or, a, a you know, a slice of parents who just, you know, yeah. they, they use it as a glorified babysitting service and they don't really care. I don't think you can fix that uh, through legislation. I don't think you can fix that through, you know, all these other different ways. You've got to be able to, uh, you know, you've got to be able to to fix it for the majority of people. There's always going to be people who just treat it um, as if it's an inconvenience or a sec- an afterthought, so to speak. Yeah, I agree with you. But like, you know, there's all, you know, we've had these issues with parents, uh, Boy, ever since I've been in school, which is a long time ago, um, some parents um, emphasize education for the children and some parents uh, just don't care. And they use it, like you said, as a babysitting service. And uh, I guess they're going to reap the rewards later on uh, with this nation um, because they're going to be the voters. And, um, you know, they're they're being indoctrinated in Marxism and socialism. And as we see, a lot of them like socialism. By the way, I just got back from a, a, a river trip down the Danube. And um, in, in uh, Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia, Croatia, and very interesting talking to the guides who were very well versed, um, asking them about how do the people feel about Putin invading Ukraine? And th- there's a very big a separation. The separation is the younger people, let's say uh, 45 <laughs> years and younger in like Romania, they hate Putin, they hate communism. <laughs> But those people that have lived under communism, the older oldest generation, like let's say my age in the 70s and 80s, they think it's fine. They're comfortable with it. <laughs> it's always the comfort zone, David. That's the thing. It's always the comfort zone. What do you know? What do you got to do? All right, we're coming up on it here. Joining again here, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. David Boyle, our guest. We're talking about education and local control. Let's get back to it. Here we go. Thank you.
Okay, welcome back to the program. Thanks for continuing. Joining us right now is David Boyle, who's an education advocate, also a senior contributor to Must Read Alaska. Uh, We're talking about his latest article in Must Read, which is entitled, Who Really Controls Local Schools? And we've highlighted the fact that in many cases, it's definitely not the parents. Uh, It's definitely not... uh, uh, the folks you know who want to be involved, in a lot of cases, there's a lot of influence coming in from outside sources, specifically places like the NEA uh, and stuff like that. Uh, but we have seen, and before I get into the next question, David, we have seen this kind of uh, sea change across the country where more and more um, – you know, it was, uh, you know, Virginia and uh, and Youngkin beating Terry McAuliffe. And part of that was because Terry McAuliffe was stupid enough to get up and say, you don't have a say in what we're going to teach your children uh, because we're going to leave that to the professionals, not to you. And that outraged so many people because they're like, they may be government schools, but they're my children. And so people are getting involved. We've seen the the backlash in schools across the country on you know CRT and identity gender identity and and of course the books so do you think that there's a groundswell do you think it's too little too late or do you think we can turn this around no i i think i think it's going to be a firestorm eventually uh, it, it's building up uh, the grassroots are building up people are parents are getting angry of course we're all domestic terrorists when we testify at school board meetings but there was just a, a huge victory in um, a landmark victory in California school district. California school district got sued by a mother who said her daughter was socially transitioned to a boy without her knowledge or consent. This was an 11 year old girl, Alicia. And, and, and they were, you know, let's say grooming her, let's say not physically, but grooming her to be a, uh, other than a, a girl. That uh, she just want this mother just won a hundred thousand dollar lawsuit from the school district. I would have sued for at least a half a million, but uh, at least uh, it's a start, particularly in California. And her daughter was uh, actually disabled, so they took advantage of that uh, disability as well. It's they call the uh, Spreckles Union District I'm, school district. I'm not so sure where it's at in California, but anyway, she won. And that's a great victory. And actually, I think some of that needs to start happening because I do know that if you sue, for example, the Anchorage School District, they'll settle for $50,000. They won't even go to court. And, and you've got the law on the side on your side because there are, there are two federal laws that you have on your side. <laughs> I know we're all uh, you know <laughs> federalists, but uh, these are good laws. Um, we have the uh, FERPA or Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, and that gives parents the right to inspect all of a child's education records. And we know that the Gankard School District, for example, wants to keep those records regarding gender identity and transgender secret from parents. It's actually on the form. The parents can't even sign that form when the kid wants to quote trans be a transgender or have right. use different pronouns than their birth pronouns. Uh, parents are not on the signature page, only the principal and the student. So the parents are left out totally in the converse, in the conversation. That's a violation of the federal law. The parent has a right to see those records. So right. the, right. hey, so everybody, every parent, sue them one by one, $50,000 at a crack. Right. Pretty exactly. soon they'll surrender. They'll stop because doing they only it. Yeah. Understand, 
they, they only understand money, Michael, as we yeah. all know. Uh, another organization, as you talk about here, that's also leading the charge in inside the school systems um, is is the one that's in charge of, uh, you know, books that are in the school library. And you talk about this. This is the American Library Association. Now, we've seen some of these school board meetings where parents are reading some of these things. We've, you know, we've talked about these soft porn books that are in some of the things. Uh, but you you laid out some interesting points that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of, that the American Library Association, which most school librarians in the state belong to, um, are implementing a lot of the doctrine that's coming from the ALA, the American Library Association. But that organization is now led by a self-proclaimed lesbian Marxist, Emily Dabrinsky, who pushes anti-capitalist, pro-racist, and climate change rhetoric. She strongly believes the books many parents want removed from the stacks should remain in the school library. She believes that our nation is made up of white supremacists, imperialists, and climate change deniers. She said she will use the libraries to implement her philosophy through collective power. Uh, that that's scary as hell right there. I mean, that's some scary stuff when they have that kind of power, David. Well, and, you know, and and that was news to me. I'd never really heard of the American Library Association uh, up until about two weeks ago. And then I started digging and doing some research and pulling on, you know, the string and finding these things out. Uh, yeah. Uh, this Mr. Binsky, she was just elected earlier this year. And, you know, these librarians across the country, they go to this national convention that they have and they're indoctrinated into this Marxist philosophy and they all take it back to their school districts, to their local libraries. And and it, they're the most well, they're just they're Marxist indoctrinated. And uh, and then they push this philosophy and this agenda through the books that they put on the shelves for children. Right. And, uh, right. You, you know, <laughs> It's it's really nasty, really ugly. Yeah. Um, well, it, yeah, well it's so telling, David. So telling. I mean, we've all seen the we've seen the videos where a parent is reading from one of these books that are in their children's libraries at school. And they're at a school board meeting and they're reading from these books and they're called out of order. The, the, the school board chair or the president says, stop, you can't do that. There's children present. And she's like, that is my point. This is in the school and you don't want me reading it out loud in public because it's making everybody uncomfortable and there's children in the room. You might offend them. This is in their library. They can go read it for themselves. I mean, it is so, it's asinine. It is really, the, I mean, it's like the definition of insanity that you're offended by this book, but you're like, the kids could read it. It's fine. Check it out and do it. And not just that, they're being, it's being pushed on many of these kids. You're right. And actually some of these parents in some of the school districts across the nation have been arrested for reading these books and the school board has called the cops in and had them arrested. Now it's interesting because I watch pretty much the Anchorage school district and school board uh, uh, meetings. Um, I, I remember what happened. Uh, it was last late last year, I believe when um, somebody won a lawsuit across in the nation uh, when they were reading these books and they were arrested and they sued the school district and won. All of a sudden you could see that the school board was tamped down. They did. They did not stop people from reading these books anymore. So, you know, that's a small victory. So if you want to read a book in front of a school district, go for it. That's in the uh, school library and it's soft porn or even 
sometimes hard. Porn. Well, I mean, some of those uh, books I could not read, David. Some of those books I could not read over the air, right? I mean, because of the <laughs> FCC and decency stuff, I could not read that over the air without, I'm sure, somebody calling up the FCC and complaining that I am, you know, putting out, uh, you know, salacious and, and I mean, there's just no way I could do it. it, it it's insane. But these are the they're giving these to grade schoolers. What what sense does so, that make? Well, <laughs> yeah, that that's their agenda. And and the Library Association and the NEA, what they do is they call parents book banners. And oh boy, that you know, wow, that really strikes a, a chord with a lot of people. And then they they reference Nazi Germany banning books and and McCarthyism. Well, <laughs> so you know, they actually are extremely good at their messaging and tying people to things like that. Because nobody wants to ban books. We just want books put in certain areas of libraries that, that are appropriate for a certain age of a, a child. And um, yeah, we just need to fight, keep fighting back, pushing back against them, particularly this American Library Association. And as you know, in, um, in, in the, uh, uh, let's see, in the Anchorage, in the municipality of Anchorage, um, the assembly just uh, threw out some more of uh, uh, the government, the mayor's uh, uh, nominees for the uh, library board because they don't fit the Marxist agenda. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, it's exactly. so frustrating. Again, I'm not saying you ban the books from any library. I'm saying if they're inappropriate, they shouldn't be in a children's library, a school library. Uh, I mean, maybe if you want to talk about having them in the older and the high schools, I mean, okay, maybe. But I mean, a lot of this is coming in into grade school or middle school, places where these kids are already confused enough about all the changes they're going through in their bodies and everything else. They don't need more uh, exposure to this kind of stuff. Again, reason number 603 why you should homeschool your kids. I know everybody's out there. Not everybody can. I know not everybody can homeschool. But if you can, by God, you should be doing it right now. Uh, but again, that's not the only thing. Now we're dealing with the whole Title IX stuff, uh, you know, that's going through all the um, all the, the the equity stuff. And now that's getting into the school and the sports where uh, transgendered boys can now compete against transgendered or against uh, regular biological girls. And that's creating a whole problem for, uh, you know, the sports and, and things like that in the long run. It's a it's a difficult situation. Tell me about it. Well, you know, yeah, there's actually a hearing today on, on a uh, regulation in, hearing in the Alaska State Board of Education. And there's a hearing at one o'clock uh, local time. Uh, they're going to hear about a new regulation they're going to put out that restricts um, participation in girls sports to uh, female, those who identify, have been identified as biological females at birth. The other thing it does, it also provides a different division for those, let's call them gender identifiers and transgenders. So they can have another division that they can participate into. Um, that's, that's probably gonna pass today. It's a 30 minute hearing. Uh, they've, they've taken a lot of uh, public comment. Uh, of course, the usual leftists uh, monopolized the, uh, the, the oral comment period. However, they've got a tremendous amount of uh, support from parents that, that oppose transgenders uh, being in girls sports. My solution to this is you have to do what the leftists do. You just can't fight this with a regulation because they're gonna take you to court. 
So what you do is you have an entire group of, let's say, males in a, in a particular uh, high school. They identify as transgenders and they go out for girls volleyball, girls swimming, et cetera, girls softball. They just overwhelm and kill girls sports. That's the only way things happen. You have to basically, I've come to the conclusion in education, you almost have to burn things down and then bring them back up like a phoenix. Metaphorically, so I, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, yeah, metaphorically. But um, so I think I, I think that could be done. I think, just think if, if, if in, uh, oh, let, let's just say in the Fairbanks School District, in, um, in basketball, girls basketball, all of a sudden these boys are like six foot four and above and pretty good size, go out for girls basketball and they identify as trans and they make the team. <laughs> Guess what? They'll probably be the first, the first, the five uh, players, the first people on the team to play would be boys or transgenders. I'm sorry, transgenders. And you're going to kill the girls sports. And I think that's the intent of, of, of this regulation that changed to title nine nationally. Uh, but, that's what not Title IX was for. Title IX was to protect and to begin uh, girl competitive sports in schools. And um, we have people like Senator, my senator, state senator, Loki, Loki Tobin. Uh, she's coming out and man, uh, first of all, she says it's systemic di discrimination against trans. I find that hilarious. Uh, uh, and she wants to kill girl sports, apparently. And um, hey, go for it, Toby. Um, uh, but, but so that's my solution to that. Um, and that, that hearing is today at one o'clock and, uh, I've written an article on must read on that. And there's a link in there that you can zoom in or you can phone in and listen. There's no public testimony and public comment yeah. today. It's just a board, um, making a decision one way or the other. David Boyle is our guest. Uh, we got one final segment here coming up. I'm going to uh, ask him to hold on. And when we come back, we're going to talk with him about, um, you know, the overall solution. I mean, he just said, basically, you've got a, I guess it's almost like guerrilla tactics in schools to figure out how to fix this. But we'll get a kind of an overall feel for where he thinks we need to go uh, to try and make this work. This is uh, it's an interesting topic. We're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Uh, so, uh, before we jump back into this here with David, uh, and, and ask him quick, I Harold in the chat room, which I try not to engage too much because it just hurts my brain trying to wrap my, my head around his logic here. Uh, he's going on about, Oh, ban the books, burn the books, right? That's what you want to do. Nobody's saying ban the books or burn the books from libraries. What we're saying is we have to make choices as parents as to what we want to expose our children to. Harold says, either you're free to read anything you want or not. Well, under that argument, fine. So apparently you want to give your grade schoolers cigarettes, cigars, alcohol. That's fine. Those are all things that you can do. Oh, and Hustler, a subscription to Hustler or Big Jugs magazine or something. That's fine. I mean, they're grade schoolers. They should be free to do anything they want, right? They're children. 
You as a parent have to make those decisions. That's the point. Nobody's saying ban the books or throw them in a pile and light them on fire. They're saying don't put them in children's schools because they're not appropriate. The children do not have the life experience, the knowledge, or the discernment to be able to decide at that point what is really right or wrong. That's the whole point. Uh, you know, th that's the thing. Nobody's saying eliminate the books and take the authors out and burn them at the stake. Nobody's saying that. They're saying don't put them in where these youthful minds full of mush are trying to be formed and, and shaped and molded. Don't put them there. I mean, it's just it's stupid. It's a stupid argument. I shouldn't even have engaged it because it is it, the baiting. I took the bait. I took the bait. Don't feed the trolls. But I did. It's just stupid. Because by that logic, like I said, you might as well slap a a, a, a pack of camels and a six you know a six pack and some Jack Daniels and a big brown paper sack full of boob magazines into your kid's hand and say, "There you go, kid, freedom. It, ain't it great?" Stupid. All right, sorry, David. It's just, it's just, I was just so stupid. Uh, anyway. <laughs> You, I didn't suggest allowing alcohol. You suggested allowing. It's the same argument. If it's freedom, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, freedom. Yeah. That's what it's all about. If it's all about freedom, they should be free to do anything that they want. Well, then that's the point. If they're free to do anything you want, why? How do you stop them from you know logging on to Pornhub for six hours a day or doing something else? I mean, hey, they're kids. Yeah. They they could sue you for abridging their rights. They're kids. They don't have enough experience or discernment to be able to figure that out. David, this is this is part of the challenge that we're facing. Yeah, it is, Michael. Uh, and, and the biggest problem I have with it is the educators, the education industry, they want to they want to replace the parents. I don't get it. And a lot of parents accept that. And I don't think most of them well, would accept it. Hey, look, really David, I'll going tell on. you, I get it. I know why. Because they're all part of this kumbaya mentality of the narrative, which is the only way that society can move forward is with the direct benevolent intervention of government. And just like yeah. Stalin or Khrushchev said, give me give me one generation of your kids in a public school and I will, they'll be mine forever, essentially. You yeah. know, they know they want to force that narrative where government is the answer to everything. So they want control of your kids because they know they can shape their minds. And and, do, and and why do you think all these kids come out of public schools and out of college? They go in as Reagan Republicans and they come out as, you know, Che Guevara socialists. I mean, how do you think that yeah. happens? That's exactly why. And I, I don't know where we're going to be in this country um, in 20 years. Well, I really don't. I mean, I know where I'm my, glad I'm as old as I am. Yeah, I mean, I know where my kids will be because we homeschooled our kids. Now, what kind of society they're going to be facing, yeah. it's a whole nother thing. I mean, that's that's the, you know, even if your kids end up getting a mediocre education because you're of homeschooling and you're not that great a teacher, it's still going to be better than anything that they can get at the public school systems right now. So, yeah. Yeah. There is a bright spot in the Matsu School District is a very uh, shining example for the rest of Alaska. Well, and I would hope that places that are red, like the Kenai Peninsula Borough and maybe even Fairbanks, as it tries to swing back more towards the median or red side, maybe they would be. And Fairbanks has had some good luck. They've, they've put some good people in their school boards there. Yes. Um, and I'm hoping that, um, 
you know, I, I'm hoping that they can swing the pendulum back the other way, even if it's just more in the equal category rather than left versus right. Just give us a median category. At least we can have some kind of say in what's going on. Yeah, the, the Fairbanks School Board is actually, it's kind of like a swing. You know, it takes that one person on the board and it's usually the school board president that uh, votes one way or the other. And uh, they've they've had some good results in the last few months on these uh, quote guidelines and yeah. policies. Well, I'm hoping that they're able to pull it together and uh, and uh, and and fix it. That's for sure. All right, David Boyle's our guest. We got one final segment. I see I got a phone line on hold. Uh, I don't know, caller, if I'm going to get to you or not, but we'll see. You can hold on if you want. We might get to you. We may not. Let's jump back into it. Here we go. One final segment: <clears throat> the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based. Free thinking radio. Remind me, don't feed the trolls. Uh, let's uh, let's go. Let's hit it. Let's do it. Five, four, three, two. Okay. Uh, welcome back. One final segment. David Boyle is our guest, education uh, uh, education uh, advocate and uh, senior contributor to Must Read Alaska. We're talking about uh, the the uh, we're talking about the the school boards and how what how much local control do we actually have? We've talked about the things that are being. Uh, foisted upon the local school districts by the boards, by the NEA, by the American Library Association, things like, you know, CRT, critical race, gender ideology, you know, books uh, in the libraries for kids, you know, soft porn, and in some court cases, hard kind of harder core porn books. And of course, even the Title IX, uh, you know, transgenders in female sports, that kind of stuff, everything else. So David, the the question is, uh, and you've been kind of on the pessimistic side of whether or not this could be fixed. Um, what is your solution to trying to fix all this? I mean, you used the analogy before of basically blowing the system up to try and rebuild it. But what, what do you think is the, the solution for what we've got going on here? Well, um, when it comes to school boards, it, de- it depends where you're at. Uh, Fairbanks is, is pretty much a swing board. And if people are really active in Fairbanks, they can they can swing the vote on that board one way or the other, and um, so that's good. Um, the Kenai, uh, I'm not sure about uh, Anchorage. It's a lost cause to talk to the school board, unless unless you inundate uh, the school board with testimony, like uh, the union members do when a contract renewal comes up. Uh, but I have found that um, they listen to you, but they don't hear. Let's put it that way. They have their agenda, and they don't really care what you're going to say. Um, the, the, on the other hand, the Matsu School Board, the Matsu School Board is spot on in protecting parents' rights in education. Uh, they require parents' permission for pronoun change by a student. They also, parents have the right to opt in their child to sex ed, not opt out, as in is an Anchorage school district still, even though the state law says otherwise. And the counselors in the Matsu school district are limited only to academic counseling. 
Now, what happens in some of the other school districts is these counselors actually provide counseling on transgenderism, sexuality, and gender identity. The Matsu board doesn't want any of that to happen. Uh, the Matsu board is, uh, let, let's say it's conservative, six in the, a six to one up there in the Matsu. And congratulations to them. They should be the example and lead the rest of Alaska in some of these policies. Um, <clears throat> on on I, I like a little side bit here is uh, when, when you have, um, there's some discussion that, of course, in schools on um, those who uh, identify as a different sex than their birth sex as to which bathroom they should use. Here would be my strategy, and this is what the left would probably do, and we have to learn from those folks because they're good at what they do. They're more successful than we are for the most part. I think, and I've said this to the school board in Anchorage, uh, let, the, let the transgenders use the staff's bathroom. You know, don't let them use, um, a, 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 don't let a transgender boy use a girl's bathroom. Let all the transgenders use the staff and the teacher's bathrooms, and let's see what happens. I guarantee you there'll be some changes. When you start affecting people, important people, uh, the super wealthy and the powerful, then you see change happen. Otherwise, very little happens, maybe incremental, but very, very, very little. So that's um, my take there. Um, parents need to know what their rights are under the Federal Education Records Privacy Act. They have access to all their students' records in the school. The school cannot keep them secret from a parent, regardless of what the policy in the school district is. And uh, they would be subject to lawsuits, and I kind of suggest that they do exactly that and make an example of some of these school districts. There's another law amendment out to a law called the Protection of Pupil Rights Amendment, where the parent has the right to inspect the curriculum, and the school must comply with that. And a lot of times they'll, oh, they'll send you, they won't send you a lesson plan, they'll send you an overview of the curriculum, which may be half a page and really doesn't say much. And it also says that federal law says, protection of pupil rights amendment, that parents can opt their child out of any school survey. So once the parents are armed with these tools and know what they can do, then they can act. And that's the difficult part informing them as to what their rights are. And we all need to help our neighbors right. and our friends and our relatives do that. Right. And, you know, and if you can't, if you can't homeschool as a parent, hey, guess what? You've got neighbors. Maybe they want to homeschool. There are a lot of pods that have, start, that have started up. And that one in Anchorage is uh, by Lee Sloan. Um, she calls it the green room pod. And she's a former teacher. And she has other former teachers that have left the school district engaged in teaching certain subjects in that learning pod. She, I think she only has like two dozen students, but those types of things are happening. Right. People are getting their kids out of the public school system. No, that's and just, once you do that, that's the only thing they understand too. Yeah. These big dollar signs. Well, it's one of the, it's one of the silver linings of the pandemic as people saw, you know, the, the, that the, the falsehood of, of what public schools were actually offering and people became innovative. You saw these pandemic pods, the learning pods come up. You saw group schools. And as you saw, many teachers who were frustrated with what's going on and they didn't want to deal with the politics of it anymore. They retired. And some have started these little, you know, have, have started into these little things like this little private school things where they uh, where they use homeschooling curriculum, but they're taught by a teacher who, you know, 
get, makes a little extra money, does it everything else, and it's all in a community. And there are v- a variety of things that you could do to make this work. And that is just <clears throat> another one right there. I think it's a fantastic idea, and we should be extrapolating that out. Yeah, yeah there are a lot of different things. And by the way, there is <clears throat> also in the state of Alaska, there's a law. Um, I think it was um, House Bill 270, 278, I'm not sure. It was back in about 2014 that um, former Senator Dunleavy also uh, was a big sponsor of and helped push through the legislature, which um, allows businesses, corporations, uh, um, the fishing industry, the oil industry, the mining industry to reduce their, their state taxes by up to half if they set aside that money and give it to, for example, a nonprofit school. And that has been kept below the radar, well, since like 2014. And uh, I can send you the information on that if you like. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, it, it's good. I, yeah, give me the information. I mean, again, you know, how about businesses that are large enough that can scale to provide an opportunity for their employees to use something like that. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's been done in the lower 48. Some companies have done it. Some companies, you know, are too small to do it. But if the opportunity's there, then there's great. There's always an opportunity to, you know, for against brick and mortar, you know, to to have an to have a <clears throat> alternative to the standard brick and mortar schools. And we need to do that. David Boyle, let me give right. you final yeah. thoughts here. Uh, give me your final thoughts here before we let you go. Well, you're right. Just a little bit more on that, you know, and if you're a medium to larger corporation in in the state of Alaska, you could take that tax credit and you could start a school for your employees right within your own building, your office building. And that's it. That's a win win for the for the employee working there and their children are going to school, you know, like right next door, for example. And so that can happen. Well, people people the big problem is trying to get people informed and educated. Uh, as to what their rights are. Uh, they have more rights than they really uh, acknowledge or are aware of. And that's what I try to do with uh, the articles I write for uh, Must Read uh, Alaska. And um, I honestly believe, and I have for years believed, that the K-12 education system is the most important thing uh, that we need to reform and improve for this country and, na- and state to survive. Um, uh, and I fear for my kids and my grandkids, not so much me. I'm, I'm almost, you know, <laughs> six feet under, so right. let's say. But uh, I keep, I'll keep fighting for all the kids, not just not just the wealthy yeah. kids and the middle class kids, but the low income kids in particular. And let me give take uh, uh, go away with this one quote from Nelson Mandela. He says, there can be no keener revelation of a society's soul than the way in which it treats its children. I couldn't agree more. David Boyle, senior contributor for Must Read Alaska, education uh, advocate. Thanks for coming on the program today and being part of it. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And uh, you're doing great work. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming on board and joining us today. David Boyle, our guest. All right. I got time for one call because this caller has been on hold for a while. So I want to make sure we get to that before we run out the clock. Tomorrow's Firearms Friday. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. Who's this? Melissa in Fairbanks. Hello, Melissa in Fairbanks. What's on your mind? Hey, so we have foster kids, and I'd like to say that these kids are so far ahead of anybody on the school boards or any legislating bodies. So we had one child this summer who claimed to be bi um, and told us that 
her friends claimed to be bi because if they claimed to be bi, they could use any bathroom they wanted to. And between breaks, they would go to the bathrooms and make out with their boyfriends and girlfriends because they claimed to be bi. And I realized this may be a small group, but I think all of every group is a small group. Um, but you want to guess how old this kid was? <laughs> how old? How, how, how old, Melissa? How old? Did I lose you, Michael? Ten. Ten years old, and they're big. <laughs> Run. Do not walk. And Run from the school system. She and her friends figured out if they claim to be bi, they can go into the bathrooms, any bathrooms, and do whatever they want. So if a 10-year-old can figure this out, good luck, school board. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's, it's horrific, absolutely horrific. Um, all right, Melissa. Well, thank you for your input. I appreciate it. Thank you for sticking on hold for so long. Uh, we appreciate you uh, uh, participating in the show today. All right, well, we're out of time. I got, I got no more time here. So uh, it's uh, been a good day. Thank you so much. Tomorrow's Firearms Friday before the big weekend. Oof, man. What are you going to say? All right, we're, uh, we got to go. Thanks for being part of it. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Ten years old? What the actual hell? Um, <clears throat> yes. Run away from the school system at that point. That is that is nuttier than squirrel poo right there. Um, absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right. Well, we're out of time. Um, we got more coming up tomorrow. Thank you for coming in. Please, before you leave the program, would you like and share? Like and follow? Do all that stuff? Anthony said you're not allowed to be bi or change your pronouns if you still believe in Santa Claus. Just saying. Why a 10-year-old should even have to think it. And who, what, who's got a 10-year-old that's making out with somebody 10 years old? Girls were still gross at 10 years old for me, right? I mean... It's madness, man. It's just madness. Or maybe I'm just naive. Maybe it's my problem. All right, my friends. I got to go. Thanks for being part of it. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 